All right. Well, welcome everybody to episode 26 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. And uh, we didn't have a Formula One race this week, so uh, we kind of decided to go with a, a bit of news and kind of just discussion about s- some electric car traveling uh, that uh, Tucker and I wanted to talk about. But the big thing that I want to talk about this week uh, was the introduction last week and this past weekend at the Goodwood Festival Festival of Speed of the Lotus Amira, which a pretty hotly anticipated car because this is the last internal combustion engine car from really legendary um, automotive firm Lotus, which for those of you who may not know, since they don't really have a, a huge U.S. presence, Lotus is a British car company that was founded by Colin Chapman, who famously had the ethos of simplify and add lightness. So he was mm-hmm. all about very lightweight driver centric cars. And so yeah. that's kind of where their um their brand identity lies. And so there was a lot of anticipation for this because really, you know, cars are getting heavier and bigger and heavier and bigger. And we've kind of talked about that on the show before. The Amira is going to be available uh, at launch with 400, a 400 horsepower supercharged V6, basically the same engine that was in the outgoing of War GT, uh, but it's detuned from 416 horsepower like it was in the Avor GT. So uh, about 16 horsepower difference, but it's a lighter car. And then starting in mid 2022, you can also spec it with an AMG Source 2 liter turbo four cylinder <laughs> that's going to make 360 horsepower. Uh, but that engine is pretty tunable. It makes up to 416 horsepower in the AMG A45 that it's sourced from. The V6 option, you can spec with a manual or automatic transmission, but the four-cylinder can only be specced with an eight-speed dual-clutch uh, box. <clears throat> and what I thought was really cool is that supposedly in the manual-equipped cars, the gear linkage is going to be visible. Uh, oh, that's which cool. I think is yeah. really cool just from a mechanical standpoint. You know, you see things working. The interior is, you know, very modern looking, you know, beautiful display screens, everything very unlotus like Lotus. It's true. Kind of, yeah. Kind of has a, has a, it's got a touch screen. <laughs> yeah. Lotus is as kind as a company, kind of the knock on them oftentimes is that the things didn't feel particularly well built, a little kit car at times. Mm-hmm. Um, it also will have, optional um adaptive cruise control and lane keep assist so some kind of more modern conveniences the thing that's there's two things that really strike me about this car one is it looks phenomenal Uh, i think it it looks very similar from the front to the uh, lotus avaya which is their 2000 horsepower electric hyper car that's also coming out next year supposedly and then um also the the price i mean so this we're talking about a 400 horsepower beautiful you know it looks like a supercar you know it looks like yeah. a ferrari or or any you know any pick your poison but it's going to start at around eighty thousand dollars which a lot of money but you're well within the realm of you know m- mid-level sports car in terms of you know you're fighting against a base Corvette, a 718 Cayman. Um, you know, there's not a ton of no, there's competition not. in that range um, right now. I mean, it's kind of owned by by Porsche and Chevrolet. So, yeah, um, I think the things that have concerned me about Lotus before are 
the things that kind of plagued a lot of British brands, you know, concerns about electrical systems malfunctioning, the build quality not really quite being there. But since 2017, <laughs> Lotus has been uh, majority owned by Geely, which is the mm-hmm. Chinese car company that also owns Volvo. And we've seen what they've done with Volvo, this amazing turnaround and products that, that Volvo's putting out lately. Um, really well put together cars, well designed. We love our Volvo SUV that we have. So uh, I'm pretty impressed by it, actually. So but what did you think? Yeah, no, I mean, immediately when I pulled it up, I just thought, what a cool looking car. It almost reminded me of a McLaren or, you know, something along those lines. And then when you told me the price point, I was very interested. (laughs) I thought, man, this looks like a fun car, especially in the sense that it's cutting against the grain a little bit in terms Mm -hmm. of it's got a manual option, Mm -hmm. you know, their philosophy of taking things out and saving mm-hmm. weight to make cars better and right. a different driving experience. So this car is offering a really cool driving experience at a price point. That's not intergalactic where you right. have to, you know, be a billionaire to even enter, you know, entertain mm-hmm. the notion of buying one. Right. And I think that that's really cool from my perspective, just in this you know, world where we exist, everything seems to be getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we're, you know, putting more electronics, more computer chips in cars. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a really engaging driver-oriented car. Yeah. Um, Which should I be a blast. I mean, everyone, everything I've heard from people that have owned Elises and Evoras, there's really no knocks about how they drive. Everyone says they have beautiful handling they're well balanced etc the the complaints are always about you know they break down they yeah. have you know quality control issues etc so i think a lot of those things hopefully will be addressed by geely i agree their ownership of the company and the other thing i forgot to mention is unlike the vast majority of cars on the market today it's going to have hydraulic steering so the, the oh, steering feedback huh. and steering feel should feel amazing compared to most electronic yeah. racks. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's kind of what I was thinking when I saw they're going to offer this in a manual. Because when you look at the V6 and you look at some of these zero to 60 times, they're not they're not bananas, you know, right. like a lot of cars here. And so if I was buying one of these, I would op- option it as a manual. Oh, for sure. And I would just enjoy that driving experience, you know, take it out on the track, control your braking with gear shifting, just engage the car differently. Cause who cares Mm -hmm. if it's, it's already pretty quick, you know, it's doing reasonable, doing reasonable zero to 60 times. So here's an option to, at a, at a nice price point, have a completely different driving experience than, you know, most modern cars. So go for Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It's kind of a throwback from, the manual to, you know, not being overly cumbersome, you know, overly, um, you know, involved with electronics and hybrid systems, all stuff. It's kind of a throwback to me to kind of sports cars of like the early to mid 2000s where they weren't crazy horsepower numbers. You could actually use most of the performance on the street in a safe, yeah, you know, reasonable <clears throat> way. And yeah, it's you're not going to win a shootout with a you know with a Tesla Model Three or Model <laughs> S or something, but that's not what it's made for. Yeah, 
Exactly. And it's kind of like, you know, Nick Murray's, he had a comment about the Tycon and he said, my favorite version of this is the rear wheel drive because Mm -hmm. I can get everything out of it. Mm -hmm. I can take it to the limit on public roads and enjoy Mm -hmm. it. This is a car that you can do that with. Whereas I'll, I'll be honest, you know, a lot of the cars that are getting produced today yeah. in a sense are just coming with badging for bragging rights. Yeah. Cause you, you oh, can't yeah. really use it in public roads in, in well, America. You know? I mean, perfect example. You don't even have to go outside the company. Lotus is hypercar. It, 2000 horsepower electric car like this who, is insane who would ever <laughs> need anything remotely like that i mean and, yeah. and you're not going to ever be able to use it anywhere except for an extremely large airfield you know it, it, <laughs> yeah because you know god forbid there's some the roads are wet yeah well i mean that's when log that thing (laughs) i just don't know the good things are gonna happen in that scenario (laughs) well when the avaya was announced a lot of people kind of ridiculed it saying okay because it was after geely took over the company and people said wait a minute so lotus the company known for simplifying lightness and lightweight driver-centric sports cars the first car that's going to come out after this big takeover by geely is going to be a 2000 horsepower yeah. electric car and, like what the hell and i and thinking? i do i totally understand that i also think that lotus falls into a category a little bit like alfa romeo mm-hmm. or even maybe i mean you know maybe we could even lump maserati in that list of it's a it's a brand with great heritage all this cool historic value mm-hmm. and we're trying to reboot it Mm-hmm. And how do you do that in today's world? You've got to have some kind of stupid attention grabbing headline right? to get everybody's attention and back on it to yeah. say like, we've got the fastest car on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you're like, okay, yeah. I should be looking at these guys. <laughs> I, I think it was kind of a two full, kind of a two pronged approach by Geely. And I think one prong is what you're saying. I think it was, we need to grab people's, you know, we need to grab the headlines. Um, this is our big introduction of what our electric car tech can do. Um, and and that's really what they they were using it as a showcase for, hey, we're Lotus is gonna be an EV brand. So yeah, we need to yeah. show that this is what our hypercar EV can do. And then when we come out with our, you know, whatever hundred thousand dollar hypercar. Uh, or supercar or whatever EV that's going to have similar yeah, technology. We've got, you know, yeah, we've got some street cred now. It's your, yeah, it's your showcase for what you could potentially do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then if you sell a few, a f- you know, a few of your $2 million hypercars and get those allocations and get that money, then, you know, all the better. Great for R&D costs. <laughs> yeah. Great to cover the R&D costs. Exactly. <laughs> so anyways, I think, I think Mira is going to be, a pretty cool um, car and, and a really welcome yeah. option for a lot of enthusiast drivers. The thing that does concern me, though, like I said, I think I think they'll have sorted out quality issues. What does concern me, though, is I couldn't tell you where the hell I would buy a Lotus, and I certainly—that's <laughs> a really good—and I certainly couldn't tell you where I can get it serviced. Uh, really so I think you, you know, living where we live, I think you'd potentially run into the same issue. As you would buying a Ferrari or McLaren or whatever is like, yeah. It okay, might get, do I have to, might be do, I have to shipped. 
do I have to ship it to do I have to ship my eighty thousand dollar car to Chicago to get you know service done on it? I I don't know. I mean, there might be a Lotus dealer in Minneapolis, but it, the, the that's a good point. Has, you know, the brand at this point, the Elise hasn't been sold here for at least a couple of years. So currently, the only car Lotus sells in the U.S. is the Avora GT. So take your guess as to how many Lotus dealerships there are in the U.S. when they only sell one car. Uh, I'm guessing most of them are. <laughs> I'm guessing most of them are tacked on to other dealerships, like probably you know yeah. Mercedes, Volvo, Lotus, <laughs> or something. Really? You know, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think that's the biggest problem to me is is anytime you're buying any high performance car or an expensive car, period, you want to make sure that you're going to have good dealer support if there yeah. are issues. And well, I don't know what yeah. it, that I don't know how that exists in the U.S especially in that first year <laughs> yeah yeah if you're an early adopter you know, you're gonna you're gonna want that some more the first model year of pretty much any car has issues so uh yeah. it'll be interesting to see you know how that plays out but um i mean if if there was a lotus dealer close by i mean this would be a car that's super interesting to me because it it ticks all the boxes it has enough horsepower to be a lot of fun it's a manual hydraulic steering you know i mean it just and it's coming from a company that knows how to build a fun car you know yeah and as long as it doesn't fall apart on you like it's going to be an awesome car i have no doubt so yeah <clears throat> and it actually sounded pretty good um when uh, it went up the hill at goodwood at the festival of speed this past week well that's cool and it I'll actually sounded pretty out. good yeah it's a you know it's a supercharged v6 so it doesn't have you know some big v8 grunt but it does sound pretty good but anyway so that's the amira excited about it i'm interested to hear what some of the first drive reviews have to say about it especially the the manual uh i love that they're continuing on you know an option for people that do want you know three pedals but um i i we did want to talk about uh your Coming from us all the way up in northern Minnesota, <laughs> up yeah. in Cabin. So you were doing <clears throat> some uh, long distance driving in in your guys out of Etron, which you know EV long distance driving is something that a lot of people have are nervous about, including myself. So uh, yeah, what's kind of how is your experience evolving? I mean, you've guys had had the Etron for a while now, and and you know I know when you got it, you're like you know, Electrify America is coming along, they're going to expand it. And, you know, so you're going to have more options as to where to charge and stuff. Have you seen some of those things kind of come to fruition? You know, in the upper Midwest where we live, growth has been slower than I would like, you know, if mm -hmm. I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, it does seem like a lot of energy cooperatives, at least throughout the state in Minnesota, have created uh, charging and so I have seen, you know, and when I say that, I mean, level three charging. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of, most of these are 50 kilowatt, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, you like to get faster if you can, but 50 will get it done. Yeah. And those are starting to pop up kind of throughout the state of Minnesota. A lot of that is from uh, the Volkswagen uh, diesel gate settlement. Gate yeah, so that's that's basically what the state has used to fund um, these fifty kilowatt chargers on on basically all the state highways. Okay, and so, so that I am seeing those populate. If you're like, say, you're at twenty percent charge, yeah. If you hit one of these fifty kilowatt chargers and want to get to like 
say 80%, what do you, what kind of time are we talking about? You're probably looking at at least, you know, kind of depends on your battery size. So for us, you know, to pump in 50 kilowatts and our battery is about 83 mm-hmm. kilowatts, you're probably looking at an hour. Okay. You know, so it's probably going to be a little bit maybe over that mm-hmm. somewhere in that ballpark hour and hour to an hour and 15, maybe if I'm, if I'm guessing right. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Electrify America station, which we hit this morning, the e-tron can charge uh, really quickly. Mm-hmm. With, and and basically, there's no real magic here. The reason the e-tron charges quickly is because they limit what you can use of that battery. Mm-hmm. I I think your usable capacity is 83 kilowatts, even though the I don't I can't remember off the top of my head what the actual size of the pack mm-hmm. is, but it might be like let's say 90. Mm-hmm. And so they can, you know, we can plug that thing in at, you know, 50% and we can get 150 kilowatts of charging power. And that takes us pretty much close to 85%. And then it starts to slow down a little bit. Okay. Um, So you can charge in that car really quickly. And that's just because of its charging curve. And I remember Mm -hmm. Bjorn in uh, Norway did a, uh, kind of a race where he had a model tesla model x and an e-tron mm-hmm. and I, I don't remember the outcome of that race specifically i can't remember if the x beat it or the e-tron beat it but they were really close mm-hmm. and when you looked at the epa range of both those cars over a long distance the e-tron got it done just as well as the tesla mm-hmm. but that was all dependent on having a really robust charging network yeah which right. We have in the state of Minnesota, I think, you know, the Electrify America station in Minneapolis, which can do up to 350 kilowatts. Mm -hmm. And then there's maybe one other charger on like I-35 in the southern part of the state that can do that. And so that's, there's not a lot of that. And that's, I guess that's what's, so why do you think, you know, I think for a lot of people, myself included, the idea of say a four hour trip becoming a five hour trip because I have to charge my car is not very palatable. Yeah. And so, I, and, and that totally makes sense. One so of the if, things that, why do you ahead, think, sorry. sorry, I'm just curious why, cause you probably do have insight on this. Why do you think if these, these faster charging stations are a possibility like they are with electrify America, why do you think they're installing these 50 watt chargers that, people probably don't want to use unless they absolutely have to. Yeah. It it all comes down to what's profitable. Mm-hmm. So the great Plains Institute did a nice paper on it. I think a couple of years ago where they looked at these stations mm-hmm. and they saw that at a 50 kilowatt station, you could make some money at mm-hmm. 150. It seemed like you were maybe breaking making even. some money, breaking even kind of depending on what you're, utility is that you're working at or working with mm-hmm. and then when you're up in the 350s you're pulling so much power that you're mm-hmm. incurring some kind of nasty demand charges oh, and so okay. you know one option would be to have the consumer pay that i don't know what those demand charges are but they're probably like 
you would balk at them and say, "Ah, uh, no." I've I've heard I've heard, <laughs> so even so, for convenience sake. <laughs> anecdotally, I've heard some some of the guys in Europe that are driving EVs that it actually can be extremely expensive, like to fill their yeah their um to to basically charge from z- near zero or close you can get to empty quote unquote empty. Uh, back to a charge costing like 80 to 100 the equivalent of 80 to 100 you know and that's one of the things i think as more people have evs and and the grid is just not capable of Mm -hmm. dealing with people pulling those kind of power loads you know millions of people all over pulling those i think Mm -hmm. potentially that might be where at these charging stations it may end up making sense to have battery packs where you basically kind of you know trickle charge those overnight fill them up Mm -hmm. so that during the day when you've got peak usage you can protect yourself from those as a you know middle guy providing Mm -hmm. power to these cars from huge demand charges that then you have to soak up yeah it's Um, interesting there's there's actually a car company and i forget their name but they're in china and essentially what they do is they have stations along the highway where you can pull in and the car is designed in such a way that this mechanic or <clears throat> mechanics that are at the station can pull out the battery pack and put in a new one in like 20 or 30 minutes yeah it's an interesting idea i mean it's an interesting idea i think but you have, have uniformity amongst all these car brands <laughs> they'd yeah, have to agree on an architecture and everything yeah. I think where we're headed. So the trek that we did today was 225 miles and we had a bike rack on the back Mm -hmm. of our e-tron with two bikes. So Mm -hmm. not great for range, but we had a tailwind. So we we actually ended up getting pretty close to the range that we would have gotten without the bike rack. Mm -hmm. Um, But that caused us to have to stop once uh, to charge and we stopped a second time, but that was mostly for a bathroom break. And there was a charger there. So we just said, oh, you know, Not what the well. hell, let's plug it in. We're going to be, we'll walk over this quick trip. It'll be 10 minutes. We'll come back. We didn't need that range. We just thought, you know, might, might as well, well do it. There. Yeah. And and so I think, you know, for us in the upper Midwest, and at least I've kind of reiterate this when I talk to people about EVs, but I say, you've got to decide how it fits your lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to have two cars, it might make a lot of sense to have one EV that you can get around town with and Mm -hmm. you do a ton of driving with in a a year that you use it 98%. Maybe you keep your gas, your hybrid car while they build out this infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But for us in the upper Midwest and our lifestyle, we if we can get an EV with 300 miles of range that can pretty consistently do that, you know, in the summer and winter, that's actually taking care of pretty much 99.9% of the things that we need to do. And that's where I think range still matters. Um, Not every place in the United States and really in the world is like California where there's a lot of EV chargers. Some places are just deserts, like especially in the middle of the country in the Northern part. I'm sure you're driving through South Dakota or Wyoming. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, you know, 300 miles is getting to that range where that's 
not a full day's worth of driving, but it's probably enough that you're going to say, I wouldn't mind one break in that. Right. And then with that one break, if your car's efficient and you can get that range in, you know, a hundred kilowatt pack or so, and you can charge mm-hmm. really quickly, it's not that long of a break. Like our e-tron yeah. break at the high power chargers is maybe 30 minutes. If it's probably mm-hmm. less than that. It's barely enough time to get in. That sort of thing would be reasonable because if you're getting 300 miles, that's, you know, roughly five hours of highway driving. Yeah. And, you know, right? if, you start, if you start at seven in the morning, okay, well, that's going to get you to about lunchtime. Lunchtime. You can stop, charge the car, go into a restaurant, eat, whatever. Yeah. Um, and you can probably get that done within about 30 minutes. Yeah. I, I think that, that sounds very reasonable to me. Yeah. And so I think, you know, for people to own like two electric cars, mm-hmm. you you probably need one of those that can handle some long distance driving. And I think that's mm-hmm. probably where the sweet spot is. We yeah. for us, since we kind of make the same trek a lot, we've got it down to a, a science and we don't, you know, the chargers we use don't tend to have any issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we I, don't yeah, the, go ahead. The other thing that makes me nervous, and we've touched on it a little bit before, is that as the EV adoption rate increases, you know, oh, the, amen. The Ford F one fifty Lightning, right. you know, the, <laughs> or, the Volkswagen or a ID4, Hummer, or a <laughs> Hummer EV. Hummer I mean, as, that's as, when you're well, that's when you're screwed, right? Yeah. Is when somebody with a two hundred kilowatt pack pulls yeah. up to a fifty kilowatt charger, right? Like that. That's what kind of breaks the deal on this. Like no one is going to have patience for that. That's and that's so, what I'm saying. That's what concerns me. Is you've Right now, if you pull up to Electrify America or something like that, and there's four stations, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be able to charge right away. Yeah. But once you get a high enough adoption rate that you don't get to charge right away and your 30-minute stop to charge becomes an hour stop because you have to wait for someone else to charge, that's when people are start going to are going to say, like, screw <laughs> that's this. I am out. Oh, brother, believe me, I... I... My wife and I talk about this all the time because, you know, the problem is to some extent, some of the automotive manufacturers solution to the range has just been, let's build an aircraft carrier of an SUV Mm -hmm. and make it weigh 10,000 pounds with a 200 kilowatt pack. Right. And so now we can get 300 miles of range out of this. Yeah. Well, that guy is going to pull up and block that 50 kilowatt charger for for hours. hours. Yeah. (laughs) And so... I think that's kind of the short, I mean, I realize, you know, it's still early days with all this, but I fundamentally think that if the car manufacturers are actually serious about this, and I think they are, I think they're just really distracted by software right now Mm -hmm. and battery chemistry and trying to figure out how the hell to get all that to integrate. But if they really want them to be successful, they all need to pool their money and help well, get that here, charging network here, off the ground. Here's what I know? think needs to happen, though. I think the federal government has to step in and say, this is this is the standard charger that... Oh, brother. Amen. Europe has done use. that. Yeah. Europe has it, done that. Te- the like, Teslas have the the, char- the CCS. Yeah, no, I know. That That's the have. funny yeah. thing. Like, people, <laughs> people say, like, well, why can't I use a Tesla charger for my, you know, whatever, my electric Volkswagen? And it's like, it's not because it's impossible. 
It's because no one has like they haven't stepped. The government hasn't stepped in and forced Tesla to and, do that. Yeah, and, and at <laughs> the end of the day, said, right? Oh, we're not and, playing your bullshit games. Like, and that's kind of what they. Charge. And I don't blame Tesla. Like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize them for that because years ago when they were building out this network, yeah, what mm-hmm. the what the hell is the incentive for them to want to say like, yeah, all your bolts can come charge here? Forget it. Right. I get that. Right. But now the the tables have kind of turned, and mm-hmm. I think it was. It was Norway or Sweden, uh, one mm-hmm. of the Northern European countries basically said, yeah, we're going to offer some pretty significant subsidies to put mm-hmm. in charging stations, but they cannot be proprietary. If right. they're proprietary, you don't get any of the public funding. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. And so yeah. Tesla said, OK, we'll open ours up because right. we would love to have that subsidy money because before this, we were building them out of our our own pockets right you know exactly i think that's what needs to happen because no one if you're these car companies are kind of playing a game of musical chairs with this where no one wants to be left footing the bill and i don't (laughs) don't blame them i mean they're 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 publicly traded companies no one wants to tell their shareholders hey we're going to invest a hundred billion dollars into building out an infrastructure if you're ford say and they're like we're going to build out a hundred billion dollar infrastructure. And Oh, by the way, Toyota cars can use it. Yeah. Right. Heavy cars can use it. Their shareholders would tell them no effing way you're doing it. (laughs) And so it has to be, it has to be a proclamation from on high, i.e. the federal government has to say, we're going to do this. We will subsidize, you know, the building of this, like going back. I mean, think about it like the interstate highway act, you know, you can be a big, municipal works project that can you know create a lot of jobs yeah great but that's the only you know if you're relying on on ford and chevy to voluntarily spend billions of dollars to build that infrastructure you're gonna have a shit ton of evs on the road in probably 10 five ten years and nowhere to charge them (laughs) there's gonna be be people backed up four miles and and i think about when i pull into a quick trip on a busy weekend day and there's no you know gas gas mobile and it's two minutes it's like 20 seconds i'm I'm like (laughs) f this this is (laughs) is what is going on and we're all the (laughs) the idea of being on a family trip with like whatever your screaming kid in the back seat and you have to sit for an hour to wait to charge. Yeah. No, Dude, I no I way. do fundamentally worry about that because you know, we were early adopters and it was early enough, you know, outside of Tesla. Yeah. Um where it didn't really matter because at most we were, you know, battling oh a bolt or yeah, I don't even know what else. And There's so there just weren't there. There, there just weren't that many things out there. And then the I Teslas saw, were off in their own area doing their own thing. Yeah, they're doing their thing. They're doing their Tesla thing. <laughs> yeah. And I saw in a post the other weekend up in uh, Duluth, northern Minnesota. Someone had, you know, said, "Yo, here's what I saw at the 50 kilowatt charger in Duluth. I saw a Mustang. I saw mm-hmm. the uh, re what is it? The Volvo or the pol- the recharge." Oh yeah, um, that is new. I saw an Audi e-tron mm-hmm. and something something they saw. Some, oh, a Bolt, mm-hmm. you know. And I was just thinking to myself, there's at least three there that are new to the yeah, market. The, yeah, the Mach-E we haven't really talked about, but that's a, that's a gaining in popularity quite quickly as well. I'm yeah, I'm seeing those things around town now, and so yeah. 
that is what I do fundamentally worry about is that the infrastructure is is going to probably take longer to catch up. And mm-hmm. the people buying these, what I would say to them is plan to, you know, 100% use this all the time around town, commuting. Charge at if, home. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. <laughs> if you are up for a little bit of an adventure and you're flexible and you have a little bit of patience, mm-hmm. take it on a, a road trip, you know, do yeah. some planning, use, you know, plug share, uh, kind of map out your route with, um, a better route planner mm-hmm. and kind of educate and have the experience. It, it is kind of, it's interesting, you know, for me as a techie guy and, you know, a new propulsion system, it's kind of cool to see it all in, in practice, but you have to be like a little bit patient. Yeah. And what I worry about is people buying it as their sole car and needing to go on these trips and running into that situation where yeah. the guy in front of you at this 50 kilowatt charger has this Hummer electric mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh my God, that's a 200 kilowatt battery pack. <laughs> what, what did you I, fall in with? Yeah. I only had 5%. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh God, we're going to be here forever. <laughs> yeah. It, I you do. Know? I do genuinely wonder if we're going to see a wave of people buying these cars and then quickly turning around and either turning them back in on lease or or selling yeah. them because they're just like, no, I'm not, and, I'm not part of this lifestyle. Yeah. And you know, there's a little bit of math to do. It's not a lot right. of math, but mm-hmm. you just have to be cognizant of the fact that an internal combustion engine in the winter is not very different than the summer because it's so damn inefficient to begin with that it doesn't right. matter with the temperature change. Mm-hmm. But with EVs, there is a little bit of a knock on your percentage into the winter. And mm-hmm. And that's why I think you've got to look at your lifestyle and just say, you know, I always use this as a as an example. But if you're the type who says, I like to go into northern Minnesota or I just drive out to Wyoming and I hike once in a while, mm-hmm. we're probably not there yet for that to mm-hmm. be your only car. Yeah. But if if you're a family and you've got two cars, I wholeheartedly endorse getting an EV for one of those cars because you will not look back. You'll just say, this is so nice. It's a great car. It's quiet. Mm -hmm. It's meditative. I enjoy this. And then we've got our hulking SUV for all our other long distance hauling craps trips. And uh, I I don't think those people will look back. The daily driver EV makes all the sense. Complete sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just just the the long distance is still a little erect. And I won't, I won't sugarcoat that. I mean, we have <laughs> not, we've not had any apocalyptic yeah. <laughs> experiences, yeah. but even, you know, even when we were, you know, went out to get the, the Ticon, we should just make an episode about that. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, we went out to get that and we pulled into the EA supercharger and I just said to you, like, I don't mind that these <laughs> in the yeah. first one, of course it didn't work. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, realistically, having not been on that route, I was telling you, here are our backup plans. Yeah, yeah. We had a that, we had a plan B and a plan C for if and it that, didn't work. You didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's the thing. You know, I, I respected the fact that you had come up with these plans. But in the yeah. back of my mind, I'm like, if I pull up to Quick Trip and the one pump that's available is 
not is out of service. I just go across to yeah. freaking you know yeah. the other gas station. You know, I go to the yeah. I go to the Shell or whatever. whatever. Or I don't I don't want to I don't <laughs> want to have to come up with alternate plans. Uh, you know, know, or like map my route out. But I, but I so for me the long distance trip is still the domain of the internal combustion engine just for 100 yeah but you know i will 100 percent agree that an ev around town to and from work going to get groceries i i think it's brilliant like you because you're driving maybe say 20 miles a day and if your car has a range of 240 miles well crap you're you're going like you're gonna yeah, Dude, you're going close to two weeks without even having to charge it. Yeah, exactly. And and I, I think you're right. I, I I imagine this is probably similar to, you know, when America built the interstate system. Mm-hmm. And shortly after, there probably weren't gas stations every Right, those had to be built. Yeah. And so I think we're in those early days. Mm-hmm. And how many years go by to the point where you pull up at a quick trip 711 mm-hmm. or whatever it is and there's a charger there i don't know how yeah. i don't know how long that is you know collectively yeah. if we get our butts in gear and we're really serious about that that could probably happen sooner than we think well i think if you were quick trip or or one of these gas co- gas station companies i think you install the big boy the 350 kilowatt charger but here's the thing that's going to be a loss leader for you. You might not, you're going to lose money on the charge, but when they come into your store to, yeah, buy, it's a, to buy a, you know, your, your slushy to buy your snacks, it's just like a movie theater. You know, you're not making money That's on the I movie. Think. You're making money on the popcorn. And so I think that'd be the smart play. Cause, cause you're I stuck, completely agree with you. You're stuck there right. for 20 minutes. Might as well I, go I buy think, some stuff. I think what you might end up seeing with some of these like highway gas stations you mm-hmm. might end up seeing them having some kind of eating areas or lounge areas where people can come in get mm-hmm. something to eat get out of the car stretch the legs sit in there yeah for 20 minutes visit just yeah. kind of chill out for a minute and then go back out to the car yeah and while you've got them there for 20 minutes they are a captive audience mm-hmm. you're they're buying sure magazines <laughs> they're buying magazines to read they're buying yeah. drinks to drink yeah. It's like a better captive audience than like your gas station people. <laughs> yeah. They can they can come in, fill up in and out, you know, swipe that card and not even need to go in there. Yeah. So no, I, I think there's I think for the kind of cunning executive at one of these companies, I think there's money to be made there. And it has to happen sooner rather than later because all these car companies, because of you know, looming particularly EU restrictions. A lot of these car companies are not going to be making internal combustion engines yeah. much much beyond 2030. Um, so it's coming sooner than than you know a lot of people think. Yeah. But anyways, I I think it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how it evolves, and you know eventually we are going to have I think more we're going to have to have more options. Um, yeah. Because, no, I know, agree. We still got to do the family trip to Florida or to yeah yeah. I kind of joke. I kind of joke with with my wife, you know, it's a little bit analogous to at this point, And I think mm-hmm. it's going to get better 
it's a little bit analogous right now to like taking off in an aircraft over the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, you know, I like, hope we have enough fuel. <laughs> this is point A and this is point B. <laughs> There's yeah. really nothing in between. Yeah, the math says we get there. change our situation. <laughs> <laughs> the math um, says we'll get there. Yeah. Is dad good at math? Well, yeah. we'll find out. We'll children. find out. <laughs> <laughs> dad is either good at math or he's good at calling AAA to tow him out. <laughs> yeah uh all right man anything else you want to add this week no that's good yeah all right well thank you all so much for listening be sure to check us out on instagram at the blowfeld podcast and um be sure to like and and subscribe to uh our podcast on itunes or podbean wherever you get it commenting uh you know ranking us all that stuff really helps us reach more folks so uh thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week